All Things Automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Nico, I was hoping that you were going to be in studio today. For some reason, I have it on my script saying that he's going to be in studio, and I was very excited because I thought you might bring <laughs> Tiny Betty's chocolate cake, or I thought you might bring some coffee. Or, you know, I just thought we were going hey. to get a treat in the studio. Good morning. Yes, you're right. I actually have to um, make a plan sometime. Yeah. I did say I was going to do that. I don't, I don't think I had a date set. Um, I'm sorry for the miscommunication. No. But I'll have to make it up to you guys. I, I definitely will. Definitely. When it comes to that Tiny Betty's chocolate cake, I think, you know, for Women's Month, the least you could do is just arrive with the chocolate cake. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have her. Well, and when I arrive, next weekend I'm away. Um, uh, well, I'll be doing the show, but not from home. Oh. But, um, Yes, but maybe the weekend after I'll make home-brewed coffee and um, Tiny Betty's chocolate cake. Where are you going to be next weekend? I'm going to be in, um, visiting my family in Cape Town. Ah, uh, Nico, 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 Nico. The traveling man, hey? The traveling salesman. Okay, so the question that uh, we've got lots of questions for you. We've got a couple okay. of, that have come in already. Don't forget, guys, that if you do have questions for our petrol head, you're welcome to do it in all sorts of ways. You can WhatsApp us on 0614104107, 0614104107. You can also send it to us as an SMS on 41391. SMS rates apply. You could call us on... 011-714-2006 or finally what you could do is you could also get hold of us on Twitter at SAFM Radio, hashtag SAFMJSB or at Mish Constant. So, what are you going to talk to us about today, mister? Um, do you want to jump into a question or shall I start? You start. Okay. Uh, you okay, start. I'm throwing it at you. <laughs> All right, let me start. So, um you know that we use um, kilowatts in South Africa and other countries use horsepower. It's like effectively kilograms and pounds. So it's a different way of measuring the output. Um, but the, the a horsepower actually comes back from the time that they were using horses in mines. And there was a guy by the name of James Watt. This is in 1769. And he wanted to sell his steam engine um, to these people that were working on the mines. And um, of course, tire, horses get tired, and he needed a way to, to show that his steam engine wouldn't effectively get tired, so it could work all the time. So uh, and at that time, the horses were, of, co- of course, lifting weights in the mines or moving things. So um, effectively, when we look at uh, uh, horsepower, there's either metrical horsepower um, or mechanical horsepower. Now, a metrical horsepower, well, let's just call it a horsepower to make it easy, is effectively, if you have one horsepower, that means um, you can lift 75 kilograms, which is about the weight of an average man, one meter in one second. So that's actually how horsepower is measured. And, uh, and, uh, today we think it's quite a weird way to say lifting 75 kilograms, one meter in one second. But that's basically how it's measured. So if you look at one horsepower, it's 0.73 kilowatts. So sometimes you might look at specification of cars and they say the car has so many horsepowers. So effectively, um, one kilowatt is 1.35 horsepower, or one horsepower is 0.73 kilowatts. Um, or otherwise, looking at it a different way, you need about uh, 3 million ants to give you one horsepower, or one elephant has got five horsepowers. <laughs> so there's a useless fact for the day <laughs> at the start. 
You is that, now is that is that seriously what we're going to be learning today? No, well, that's one of the things we're going to learn. You don't seem excited about one horsepower lifting one weight, seventy-five kilograms, one meter in one second. <laughs> <laughs> you know me; I'm curious and interested about everything. There you go. go. <laughs> no, the thing is, just if you sometimes you read specifications of other countries, um, and you say that they say the car's got so many horsepower, and you always wonder, how, I don't know how many kilowatts yes. is in that, and that's effectively a way to measure it. Um, so if you go to Germany as an example, um, they would always give you the horsepower output of the cars, not the kilowatts. Um, sometimes even talk, and um, we work in newton meters, and they work in foot pound. Um, so it, 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 different manufacturers use different ways to get to either the power or the torque in an engine. So the power and the torque are the basic measurements we use. So power is effectively how strong the car is, um, and I don't want to, yeah. So. This maybe starts getting too technical. So let's move on to the next bit, because otherwise I might lose you on the technicalities of the difference between power and horsepower. Oh, okay. Power What's the next bit? Power, but power and torque. All right, let's talk about ABS brakes. Now, have you ever wondered how they work? We've, I, I think we might have spoken to, about this a while ago, but again, somebody asked me the other day, okay, so really actually what is this, you know, what is ABS and how does it work? Although it's been around in cars for a long time, and sometimes you feel it, so you hit the brakes hard, and you get this like this, the shudder, in the brakes. Yes. Um, and, and effectively, that's the ABS working. So ABS actually comes from the airplane industry. It goes back to when planes were landing on, on runways um, and the, the, the planes would lock the wheels. So effectively, once the wheels are locked, you have no control. It's the same thing actually in a car. So, um, but it was initially developed um, as a mechanical system to help airplanes land in a shorter distance on a wet runway. So how it basically, what, what it means is when you're braking with a car, if you apply the brakes, the maximum retardation or slowing down of the car just before the wheels lock up. Um, so if the wheels lock, you've effectively lost control. So if you watch Formula One, for instance, you'll see that sometimes they have a video and the wheels, they slow it down and the wheels stop moving. You even see some smoke coming off the tire. So yeah. if the wheel isn't moving, that means, number one, that you have no directional stability. So if you lock the wheels, you can turn left and right, your car is going straight. And the second thing, of course, is that you're actually damaging your tire because now it's like a cheese on a grater. As the tire is rolling across the tar but not moving, um, or not rolling but moving across the tar and not turning, it's actually taking some rubber away. It actually can, that's what we call flat spots. So in other words, it actually gets a bit of rubber away and there's a small little flat bit. As you then drive, you get this boom, boom, boom effect on the car. So effectively, um, if you brake hard enough in an emergency and the wheels lock, and the car takes longer to slow down in most situations, and actually have no control. So what ABS basically do is it looks at the speed of each wheel, so it compares the four wheels with each other. So if you apply the brakes, if one wheel is locked, that wheel speed sensor will see that you're on the brakes and the other wheels are turning as you slow down, but one wheel isn't moving. So it knows that wheel is locked. So what it briefly does, it just releases the uh, or opens up the brake um, caliper. And as soon as the wheel starts turning again, it applies the brake. So what you're really getting is at each wheel, you get this brake release, this brake release, brake release, brake release, 12 to 15 times a second at each wheel. So what it really comes down to is with ABS brakes, as you brake, the wheels never lock up because it's always comparing the four wheels. And that then allows you to steer. That's a big thing with ABS. If you're braking hard, um, you feel this vibration, you know the car's gone and eat your ABS. But if you see there's an, uh, a hazard in front of you, you can turn left and right and actually avoid that hazard. That's a big thing with ABS, is the ability to brake and steer. And, of course, your tires don't get flat spotted. So you also look after your tires. 
Okay, we need to go to a break, but when we come back from the break, I do want to ask the question is, do all cars have ABS braking and is this something that has become the norm in cars as well? We'll go to the break first and when we come back, we'll answer that. All Things Automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Hey, Nico. Um, so the question is ABS braking. Do all cars have it now or is it um, something is it? that that is is still only for certain cars? Actually, well, ABX it goes back a long time. So the first manufacturer that had ABS was Chrysler in 1971, and they called it SureBrake. And Ford also in 1971 added in some models uh, called SureTrack. So it goes back that far. So today, um, as a basic, every car has ABS brakes. Actually, we've gone quite far with the, the, some of the standard safety systems um, so ABS brakes have been standard for a long time in cars, even though a lot of the time people don't even realize it or know it or don't even get to use the ABS. You actually get to a point where if your car doesn't have stability control, it's almost, in my mind, not worth buying. But I would say almost all cars now, they even have stability control. So stability control is basically like a guardian angel. So if your car understeers or oversteers, in other words, if the front loses grip or the back spins out and, and um, let's say you're driving on the road and you swerve back because of an emergency, and sometimes you could spin or lose control of the car. What, what stability control does, by braking wheels individually, it stabilizes the car. It's almost like if you take a wheelchair going down a hill, you would brake the one side and that would turn the wheelchair. And in a similar way, stability control uses those, um, some of the sensors that ABS uses, it brakes wheels aggressively to stabilize the car. So a lot of the time you don't even know it, you just think, hey, I'm a great driver. And meantime, stability control is the one that's keeping you on the road. <laughs> okay. Nico, we've got a couple of questions for you before we come back to you. Let's just do some of them. Um, uh, Shane is asking, if you're running low on brake fluid on a long trip, could you top up with water as an emergency? Yes. No, I, I wouldn't do that. Um, yo, no, that doesn't sound good. I, I would say if you know you're low on brake fluid before the trip starts, just top, top up on brake fluid. But... Um, I would definitely not uh, top up with water, no. But what happens if you are on a long trip and you don't have, and you're running low on brake fluid? What would be the best well, thing to do? I mean, do? You're, you're going to lose your ability to slow the car down. Um, water's not going to add pressure or help the, the system at all. Um, uh, you can actually do damage to the system by adding water into that um, because water and brake fluid also don't mix very well. So what's going to happen is if you're running low on brake fluid, when you're applying the brakes, <clears throat> the brakes sort of get soft. The brake doesn't actually slow down the car. So it's, you're going to, because what happens when you're braking? The car's actually assisting you. You're not <coughs> slowing the car down yourself. Yo, that's a bad cough. <laughs> Are you okay? Uh, that's Which kind I'm, of weird because I'm pressing by cough button, which means oh, that no. I sh- it should be silent. My apologies. <laughs> no, I know. I've got a frog no, in my throat. So the buttons aren't <laughs> all working. The cough button yeah, doesn't seem to be working. I have the same one in the morning. Don't worry if I get a oh my Don't have my coffee. So, um, yeah, you're gonna. The brakes will get soft. So normally the brakes assist you, but if you're applying the brakes um, um, without assistance, it's much harder. So you're gonna battle to slow the car down. It's actually quite dangerous. So if you know that the, you know, it shouldn't be losing brake fluid. If there's a problem, there's a problem somewhere in the system. So don't top it up, top it up with water. Rather have those brakes looked at because on a long trip. Um, you don't want to run out of brakes. Well, you never want to run out of brakes, so it's not a good idea and not a good idea to add water. So get to the nearest uh, petrol station as well. Yeah, you're filling, you know, filling stations, um, any filling station normally would have oils, 
they would have some basic systems. Yeah. But you're somehow losing breakthrough in the system, and that's not a great idea. And yeah. it's actually quite corrosive as well, breakthrough. So yeah. when you, wherever it's slipping up, it's not good. Brilliant. Okay. Well, Shane, I hope that answers your question. And Shane, I hope you aren't on a long road trip right now and just suddenly seeing that your uh, brake fluid is running low. And if you are, I hope that there is a filling station somewhere close by. So Andre wants to know, um, Can I, I can't get my Spark 1200 to rev steady at 2000 RPM. Is it normal for a 2016 model, or are some airflow or manifold sensors at fault? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I would take it back. So it's a Chevy Spark. Um, I, you know, if your car is running in a certain way, and then suddenly it's running in a different way, so it's not idling smoothly, I mean, it, it shouldn't be idling at 2,000 RPM. So if, if, uh, if the car suddenly develops uh, something where it's not idling smoothly, I would take it into the car, that, the, the person that services your car, and ask them to have a look at it to see what the reason is. I don't have an idea what the reason is. You know, that they gave me to that cliff where I don't know what the possible problems could be, but I would tell the simple thing is, if, if the car, my view on anything, the car's idling in a certain way and it's revving in a certain way, and one day something is different, then something's wrong there. Why would it change? So it, I would have a check out and say, listen, just have a look. This is what it sounds like now compared to what it's done before. Um, have a look at what, what could be wrong. That's what I would say. What do. makes for a normal, uh, ideal RPM? I wouldn't say there's a normal ideal RPM. So how a car works, we have a mixture of fuel and air. And it's 14.7 parts air, uh, air and one part fuel. Um, and this is called the stoichiometric ratio or the fuel-air ratio. So when you're idling, when you're driving, you always work in this ratio of 14.7 to 1. But when the car's idling, it might be that it's a little bit richer. Remember when you were young, cars had a choke. So when it was cold, you pulled out the choke um, to help the car to idle. You basically make the mixture richer. Um, so um, to our cars don't really like idling, they like when you're going. So effectively, um, it, it's a, the mixture is a little bit richer when you're running. In other words, there's a bit more air than that one part. So 14.7 parts air, rather, a bit more fuel. 14.7 parts air to one part fuel is a bit more than that one part fuel to get the car to idle. But at 2,000 RPM, it shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be idling that high. Um, and in a car, basically, to, to, to get the best fuel consumption, there's an optimal sort of a range where the revolutions work the best. So you actually have to look at the power and torque curve. That comes, comes back to when we started. So yeah. um, uh, the car would uh, be a certain point. Let's say, I don't know what each car is a little bit different, but if you keep the revs, let's say, between 3,000 and 4,000 RPM and you change gears there, that's the optimal where you're going to get the best fuel consumption because fuel consumption, we're getting off the topic of it, but it's determined by how high the RPMs are and how Far, far are you pressing your foot down on the accelerator? Okay, we got another question for you, and it's an audio question. Let's go. <clears throat> All things automotive with the petrol head, Niku Smith. Good morning, um, Michelle and the team. And this message is from Morag in Cove Rock in East London for Nico Petrolhead after he's had his cup of coffee. Please, can you ask him? I've got a new, I've got new tires on my car, um, and they are seven months old now. I've done very little driving on them, but the one tires developed like a, a lump. It's almost like a, a bubble in the in the rubber. 
So please can you tell me, is, is it safe to drive with this or must I get it replaced? The tyre, thanks, because I'm going on a long trip soon. Thank you. What do you think, Nico? Oh, I've got bad news. Um, uh, those bumps normally develop on the sidewall. In other words, if you're standing on the side of the car, tyre, where the right, or the side of the car and looking at the tyre, where all the writing is, those bubbles um, appear on the sidewall, and they're quite bad because the sidewall uh, is only a few millimetres thick. Um, so the tread part when you're driving, um, that's quite thick because that's taking all the punishment, and the tyres carrying the, the weight of the car. So the sidewall normally... Uh, doesn't have to take too much money, punishment. It's quite thin. But unfortunately, that means if you hit a pothole wrong with your tire, it damages that, um, um, the sidewall. And what is, what's happening is those layers, almost like you have your skin has different layers. So if, the, if you have, um, let's say sometimes you, you get a, um, you're wearing shoes that are too tight and you get this little, that little, what do you call it, little bump with the water inside. So in other words, there's a bit of water between the, your, the layer of skin and the second layer of your skin. So that's what's happened to your tire. So effectively, it's a blister. Um, the, the, it's like a blister. I couldn't think of the word. So it's like a blister. So the tires basically make a little bubble. So those layers are coming apart. But because the sidewall is so thin, what happens is this is when people get blowouts. You, a lot of times people say, I had a blowout, or you read about that. And this is exactly the situation is that, that those layers are coming apart, and it's actually quite easy to damage the sidewall. So what's going to happen is you're driving, suddenly the, the, that tire loses pressure pressure quite quickly so if you're driving at let's say the speed limit 120 and suddenly one tire loses um, um, uh, pressure quite quickly the car's going to pull aggressively into a direction imagine it's on your right hand side yeah. it might pull you right onto oncoming cars um, so this is like a, i'm just trying to explain how dangerous this is so really unfortunately that type of blister or bubble on the sidewall is unbelievably dangerous your next stop should be the tire place not even go for shopping and then replace because it's really, 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 really bad. Okay. Oh, I'm so sorry to, for you to be saying that, because, I mean, I can just see someone going... I'm sorry, uh, and you know what? It's extra cost. It's not nice. You've just recently put tires on. You You haven't driven a lot, and I can replace that tire. But the reality is uh, I would not risk my life in something like that. It's just yeah. way too dangerous. Okay, Norman wants to know. Norman says, I recently hired a mechanic to put a clutch kit on my Mazda 3. After putting it on, my car now shows an engine light and the handbrake light is always on because they removed the battery for a long... Is it because they removed the battery for a long time or what? I don't know. I, there shouldn't be a reason. I mean, if you remove a battery and put the battery on, there's no reason why different lights would go on. The battery just keeps... Um, uh, uh, yeah, so no, I, I think something else has happened. I don't think it's a, the fact that the battery's been off for a long time. They, what did you say? The handbrake light is on? This is the engine light is on and the handbrake light no, no, is no, always no. on. No, that's nothing to do with the battery. Whatever the guy did, something is not right. Um, I don't exactly know what they did, but I'd, I'd take it back and say, listen, sort out these lights um, because um, when you, when a clutch is that connection between the engine and the gearbox. Yeah. Um, effectively, when you depress the clutch, you disconnect engine and gearbox for, a time, for as long as the clutch pedal is in, you dis, dis, you open up the clutch mechanism so you can change gears. Um, so when you're replacing that effectively, um, uh, what I don't know how the person's put it back, but I don't know if something's wrong there. The light shouldn't be on, so I'd have a check. Take it back to the person and say, well, you know, these lights are now on. Um, please have a look at what's going on, but it's not the battery that's been disconnected for a while. Sure. Okay, Deborah in KZN says, on some cars, brake fluid and clutch fluid are the same, and low brake fluid may also indicate that the brake pads are low. Is that correct? 
it could be if a brake pads are low and on all the cars, um, the, the level of the, of the brake fluid um, might lower a little bit. Um, but again, uh, um, when the level gets low, you don't want to run out of brakes or have to work harder to, uh, with brake assistance. I, I think, uh, you know, in, in some cars, even the, the, um, I've seen it before in a different type of system where the power steering fluid and the suspension fluid is shaped like a McLaren, for instance. Like the, uh, yeah, so in, in certain McLaren cars, the brake fluid and the power steering fluid is actually shared in a system. But any, any lowering of fluid um, uh, would be an issue. So top up the fluid because the pads, as you said, might be going low, but you might also have a slow leak somewhere if you have to top, top up all the time. Okay, Ishmael says, I've got a problem with my car, which is a 1984 Toyota Corolla. Is that when I, when I remove my hands from the driving wheel, the car pulls to the right. I've swapped the wheels. I've taken it to various dealers to correct my wheel alignment, but it still pulls to the right, and I'm getting frustrated. Any ideas on uh, what could be going on? <coughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think if, if you, because what happens is, the, um, have they done the wheel alignment properly on the car? Um, so I don't know if something in the suspension is possibly bent. Uh, if you hit a pothole quite hard and you've bent the suspension, that could be um, something to look at. Um, because normally when you, when you align the wheels, you align uh, all four wheels. And the wheel alignment then means the car should pull straight. So is the tire balanced? So in other words, because um, you have a little wheel weight on the tire, so is that fine? Um, if you swap the tires around and the alignment's done properly, I don't know. I don't know if something in the suspension might be bent. And that's why even if you align the wheels, when the car moves, it pulls left or right. Um, so, yeah, it's difficult to say. But I haven't looked at – I've looked at the suspension as well now. Um, and go back to the brakes. Uh, just go back. If you've done the alignment recently, just go back and say, listen, guys, um, I don't know what you've done, but the car's putting left, even though you've done the alignment. So please check again. Um, because it shouldn't happen after alignment, except if maybe something, as I said, on the suspension is possibly damaged. Oh, dear. So I have a quick question for you. Uh, Nico, I have a slow leak. and um, On the tyre now. On the tyre, yeah, on the yes. tyre, Nico. <laughs> 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 and the problem is I'm, I'm going to go and fix it actually after the show. Yes. It, we found where the slow leak's coming from. There's a nail in the tire. Ah. Now, are they going to be able to put one of those mushroom plugs in, or am I going to have to get a whole new tire? No. Is it on the tread or is it on the sidewall? It's on the tread. That's all. The, no, that's fine. It's easy. Just take it to a, a, a reputable tire place. So any tire place that's close by, they all do mushroom plugs. Yeah. Um, and then actually watch what they do. Those guys are really, really friendly. When you tires, you know, change the tires, I always chat to them. And they're always friendly, and um, they don't mind a chat. The second, listen, I want to see how this mushroom plug is done. Yeah. So have a look as they do it. So what they do is they'll take the tire off. Um, they'll clean. Um, they'll take the nail out. They'll then clean it first. Yeah. Um, the hole, so they clean the hole a little bit, and then it literally looks like a mushroom. So they have like a glue that they put on on the inside. They push it through um, from the inside to the outside. They cut it off. So they glue it and off you go. And it, uh, I've had it where we've done driver training with those tires on a racetrack after we've put in a mushroom plug without issues. So maybe take some pictures and have a look at what they do because it's an interesting sort of learning experience. Um, and yeah, it's all going to be fine with a mushroom plug. I'd put it on my car without worrying. It's and does one, it's not on the sidewall. does one need to have um, uh, your wheels aligned after that? 
No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. To, I wouldn't um, do the. No, I wouldn't worry about the wheel. If you're driving and you, if you briefly take your hands off the wheel and the car's going in a straight line, that's all fine. Um, so yeah. I wouldn't worry about wheel alignment. But I would check the pressures just again in the tires to make yeah. sure that they open the door or open the fuel cap. I think your car's on the door. Have a look at what the pressures are and just check all four tire pressures again to make sure they're fine. Actually, even consider attacking the tires front to back um, if you haven't done that in a while because, uh, like your car's a front wheel drive car, those tires wear off quicker than the rear wheels. So if you, you rotate um, front to back, it actually makes them last a little bit longer. So that's what I'd also do. So ask them to rotate the tires as well. Ask them to rotate. If you just go front to back, that's fine. Um, and have a look at what the guy does. As I said, they're already really quite friendly and they're that like to, like that will show you easy how things work. So that's good. And take, a, take pictures and, and share with us next week. So, so Nico, yes, I mean, it goes back to the question from one of our listeners who was asking about that bubble on the, that blister on the side mm-hmm. tire. Um, in that case, she would have to get a new tire, wouldn't she? Yeah. Um, Sidewall, that's why, you know, a, a mushroom plug, I've, I've had them in cars and I've seen how they work and they re- work really well because the, the theory is simple. Um, you have pressure from the inside, let's say it's two bar, and two bar is pushing against this mushroom, um, so it can't get, if you glue it well, it can't actually get past the hole, and the tread part is quite thick. The sidewall is so thin that it's, uh, it's easy to actually just damage that sidewall, um, or you don't know how, how, how badly that's damaged, and so in your case, easy to fix. In her case, unfortunately, brand new tires are the only solution. Okay. Nico, that's it for today. Um, I look forward to chatting to you from Cape Town next weekend. I hope you have a wonderful time with your family. Thank you, thank you. It's, uh, and have a lovely weekend and enjoy the rugby this afternoon. Yeah, um, yeah. Go Springboks. The rugby, we're going to win for sure. <laughs> we're winners. It's nine o'clock, yeah. Nico. Speak to you later. Nine o'clock, time for the news. Good morning.